This is the Greenhouse Podcast, and I'm your host, Steve Perkins. I'm a leadership, career, and business coach and the founder of Greenhouse, a company that helps people and teams grow and figure out what's next. This podcast is for leaders, entrepreneurs, creatives, and seekers. Myself and our curated team of guests are here to give you tips and share thoughts and have meaningful conversations about topics in career and life, because we believe that with the right tools, you can lead a more fulfilling and impactful life. Today's episode is a special bonus. I previously recorded this episode last year, and we felt like now was a good time to replay this favorite. You'll definitely want to take some notes, so grab a journal or your phone, grab a beverage of your choice, and enjoy. Without further ado, Nicole, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Steve. Glad to be with you. (laughs) Yeah, this is exciting. Um, I'm curious just a little bit more about your background. And funny because we've known each other, but I actually don't know a lot (laughs) about kind of your backstory into becoming an author and a speaker and a a teacher. Yeah, sure. Um, It's been a long, it was a long process, which is a lot of my story is about how life can have a lot of twists and turns in it. And I remember earlier in my probably late 20s, I was very intrigued. I've always been intrigued by women who lead, but um, I was in a class where the professor was a woman and I really liked her. She was great. I was in grad school and I noticed that she did not have a PhD and she was teaching a PhD level course, which is very unusual. I know. So I'm like, how did this lady get where she is? And so, of course, being me, I wait for a break and then I'm like, excuse me, (laughs) um, can you please explain to me? Like, I just wanted to know her background. And she answered the way so many other people that I've gone to have answered, which is kind of like, well, I was doing this and then this happened and I just so happened here and I just so happened here and now I'm doing this and I'm a adjunct faculty member uh-huh. with this, you know, with my degree. And I remember thinking, darn it, I cannot follow that path. Like (laughs) everything is so organic and there's so many unexpecteds along the way. And I think at that time particularly, and I can still tend this direction, but at that time I was looking for someone to say, do these things if you want to have a life like this. And uh, through that, even just that one moment, I you know, have had to learn the hard way that it doesn't work that way. So for me, my, my journey into the work I do now has come via multiple other careers. Mm-hmm. I started off in the corporate world coming out of college. I was in full-time fitness. So I um, have always loved kind of transformation and what helps people change. So went from fitness into grad school and then into private practice as a counselor before I moved into the spiritual world of ministry and writing um, about this thing. So I basically, <laughs> and I mean, that's a lot. And now, the irony is if someone else came to you now, like, how like, do I get I there? I know. That's the path you would them. give them would be even harder. Oh <laughs> like, my gosh, yeah. So wait, I have to do six different careers? <laughs> yeah. Oh, okay. Uh, and I, I'll tell people, I think it takes... Well, at least for some of us, I just think it takes a long time to discover who you really are. And I was chatting with a 16-year-old this weekend, and she was uh, we were at a speaking event, and she was up front, and I was interviewing her from up front. And so the question was sort of, what's an unexpected struggle that you're facing right now? And she said, I really feel like I'm supposed to have things figured out. And it was such an interesting because you think about what it's like to be sixteen, and you're you're applying to colleges, and people are asking you who you want to be when you grow up. You're feeling like you need to pick a major. You think you're laying out the whole rest of your reality at that moment at sixteen, and anyone you know 
over the age of probably, let's say, 30 knows it just doesn't work that way. And there's a lot of pressure that I think we put on ourselves that culture might put on us unintentionally to be people who are like figuring it out. And my story just isn't that. It just wasn't that simple. And I think really for most people, it's really not that simple. Well, and something that hits me when you're talking about that, and even that professor, you know, okay, I can't follow that path of the right. different steps she had, is people leave a lot a lot out. Yeah. You know, like my wife and I love watching Jimmy Fallon mm-hmm. or Stephen Colbert, those kind of shows where they're interviewing these celebrities. And yeah, when they ask how they got there, it's like a three-step, they cover <laughs> like 40 years in three exactly. sentences. And you're like, wait, but what happened in between? Mm-hmm. And because that part is missing, and, and the shorter media gets too, like more of that detail gets stripped sure. out, it, it can be hard to lose sight of, oh yeah, there's a lot of journey and ups and downs of, of figuring yourself out. Right, right. And I think there's a lot of like grunt work and just work. And it feels like if I've got the thing that I really want, of course, some people listening might be, you know, starting businesses or dreaming about the kind of leadership they might be able to be in. And you start thinking it should, if I can get to that place, surely it shouldn't be this hard. But the reality is everyone I know who has achieved what they dreamed of achieving, whether that's homeschooling their kids or starting their own business or running, you know, a multi-million dollar company, they had a lot of work. It was a lot of work, like really, really hard, like diligent, persevering work, which has been my experience as well. Yeah. It's oddly encouraging. <laughs> yeah, it is. It is. I remember the first time I wanted to write a book, I was on a weekend retreat and I just had this, I had been praying and I, I had this thought like, you know, I think I might have something to offer in this area. And I turned to my best friend and said, I think I'm going to write a book. And being the wise woman that she is, she said, I think you are too. And I think it's going to take you a lot longer than you think, which is like, was such a wet blanket on my dream (laughs) at that exact moment, you know? Could you just crush my dream right now? That's what it felt like. But the reality was she actually didn't crush, like, if I think about what she said, she did not crush my dream. She was like, I she basically said, I have 100% confidence in you and I have 100% confidence in the idea that you think that it's easier than it is. That's it, it, it was. It took me longer than I expected. Yeah. Um, and now when people come to me and they want to talk about writing and publishing, I'm like, I'm basically giving them the very same wisdom that she gave me that day. And a lot of things are like that. I think but books is just one of them, but a lot of things are like that. They seem more attainable and closer than I think they really are, but it doesn't mean they're not attainable. Yeah. And what a gift for that friend to just kind of speak honestly, yeah. but still oh, she's with honest. you. <laughs> yeah, she was with me. Yeah. Not everyone does that, you yeah. know? Not everyone wants to introduce anything uncomfortable. Well, and it's, I mean, you do ask yourself if you are a person who's thinking, how do I live you know, into all of my potential and how do I pursue that for a lifetime, not just for this minute or this month, you do need a friend like that. I mean, that's one of those little things that gets missed in the Jimmy Fallon interviews or whatever is kind of like, who's on your team? Who's mm-hmm. on your side that are that they're not afraid to tell you the truth and you receive the truth from them? Not every person is a safe person for that. And in different seasons, that person may be a different person. And I think one of the signposts, I think, that we're on the way toward those dreams is when those those people are provided for us and we lean into that and we're willing to grow through those people. Well, we're not even into the interview yet, and you're already giving some value bombs here. Okay, so, you know, a big thing that's part of your books and your teaching mm-hmm. 
I mean, you preach as well and yeah. you're a pastor, but you lead kind of in multiple arenas. Right. And I think a thread through all of that, like we've talked about, is helping people kind of get through and over the obstacles that are just mm-hmm. real in life yeah. and start to live more fully in right. the way that you're intended, but not ignoring the reality of those struggles. Right. It's kind of like going through them together. And mm-hmm. it's something I appreciate about the way you teach. Thank you. I mean, some of those struggles you've been through and some of that sure. long journey of reaching in your full potential. I mean, what has that given you in the way that you teach and the stuff that you talk mm. about? Um, yeah, I think that I am grateful that I have a wiring that is essentially stubborn and strong-willed. <laughs> I mean, you know, I mean, that feels like a real liability a lot of the time. But one of the things I think that's done for me is it means that change has not come easily to me. And they've, I've heard that said about teachers. I remember having a math professor who was an, just a genius in math. He was the worst math professor you can ever have because <laughs> here I am sitting in this calculus class in college. The dude is writing formulas with one hand and erasing them with the other because they're so long. I have no idea what he's talking about, and he has no idea <laughs> why we have no idea uh-huh. what he's talking about. You know what I'm saying? Uh-huh. It's like people who are naturally gifted at running or whatever. They're like, why is this hard for you? you. And I think that one of the things, and and this is one of those leadership axioms, is that sometimes the things that really are hardest for us can become our greatest source of value for the world. Because it hasn't been easy for me to change, I have needed lots of learning and tactics and time. And because of that, maybe I have more more to offer in that area. Sometimes, um, huh. you know, not everyone's going to relate to the work you do. Yeah, That's true. I mean, I would love for everyone to love everything <laughs> I do, but I've come to realize that's not true. And one audience I miss that I realize is just people who don't struggle. Like, it, <laughs> yeah. it's funny. They're like essentially um, content uh-huh. people or maybe essentially faithful people or super um, wired for like peace and optimism. And they usually just like don't resonate that much with my stuff. Thankfully for me, that's a very small percentage of the world. <laughs> it seems like it yeah. seems like not that many people, but, but at the same time, I kind of get it because I'm like, yeah. You couldn't write the books I write because you don't struggle right. the way I struggle with some of these things that actually come like pretty naturally and easily to some. Mm-hmm. And so I have found that that becomes the place that you can teach from is like, well, these struggles are my struggles. Like things that seem easy for other people, they're just not easy for me. It's not easy for me to con- be content. It's not easy for me to be patient. It's not easy for me to be gentle with myself. So some of that learning, it's not easy for me to listen to my own soul and uh-huh. what I really want. And so I think a lot of the teaching comes out of that place. What are a few of the struggles in the book that you enjoy the most kind of talking about mm. or hearing from people about? Yeah, so all my books have a little element of that, but my most my most recent one's called The Struggle is Real. And in this one, I kind of took a different approach, and I told a law. Lo- I told a story from my childhood over time, in order to illustrate a point that usually in our early years we have some sort of incident, good or bad, minor or major, in the world's like economy mm-hmm. that teaches us really important things about the world, about ourselves, about God, about how we see life. Most of us don't know that we've done that, so I write 
really extensively about like a really bad perm that I had when I was 11 years old. And when I, I can relate to funny, I know I actually had a guy come up to me uh, when I was on the speaking tour who was like, I also had a perm. And he said, but mine was actually short on top and long down the back. It was like a (laughs) mullet. It was a mullet perm. Uh And I said, that's actually really bad. Like, that must have been really difficult for you. Did you you invite him on stage? Like, your struggle was was deeper. He probably didn't want to tell me because he he only told me after the event, but it was really funny. And Uh I have talked about it in subsequent speaking engagements, which is really fun. So I, I, I chose a story about a minor incident in the, you know, scheme of life. Because minor incidents can actually have like major implications for our world and our life. And if we're not willing to be curious about what we actually believe and where we've picked up those beliefs and honest, if we're not curious and honest about those things, then we really can't unravel what a new perspective could look like Hmm. moving forward. Whether that's what we believe about money, what we believe about achievement, uh, the paradigms that we've seen in leadership or business or whatever, and we pick those things up. Usually a really sensitive time is between the ages of about 10 and 14. Mm -hmm. So in that season, there's certain things that enter into our operating system that we begin to live from. So my last book's kind of about what do you do to rewire that story, to take the good, to kind of leave behind the bad and step into freedom. And freedom for us, everyone looks really different. So I don't talk a lot about what your freedom looks like, but I do Mm -hmm. talk a lot about what you need to get rid of to actually get to the point where you can hear what your soul has to say. And if you believe in God or follow God, if you can hear what God has to say about your purpose. That's interesting because I've found in my work that the word freedom, I feel like I need to qualify after and get specific Mm -hmm. what kind of freedom. Yeah, And I found over and over, I actually don't because it's so hardwired into everyone there's always some version of it or definition that they resonate with. Right, right. And that's, you know, that's back to the operating system. You have to ask yourself, Steve, I have to ask myself the same question. Do I believe essentially that God provides a guiding force for each and every human being who's really willing to listen? And I'm not the guiding force, like, uh-huh. which actually is pretty countercultural because you'll hear, and I'm sure we all You're have experts. <laughs> well, I know. And I love to read, you uh-huh. know, experts too. We all have experts who are willing to tell us how to live our lives. And a lot of that can be really helpful, but that internal wiring that says, who am I and who am I right now, which I think is also something that people miss. Part of being a woman in ministry and leadership is more sensitivity to seasons of life, I think, than generally um, sometimes men have because uh, life demands different things at different times. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of that question of who am I right now and what does it look like to live the fullest right now, um, because right now is going to look a lot different than five years from now or five years before. So, Yeah, and I appreciate that you and I have talked about this in the past, but what does it look like right now is a bit freeing because sometimes I can even get stuck yeah. on my own message to people mm-hmm. about living fully. It's like, well, life isn't always like that. You right. can't always control what happens, and sometimes there's really hard seasons where you're just not feeling that. Yeah, But it's not about crafting this perfectly controlled future. Mm-hmm. It's about right now you have what, what you have right now. And that's you do right. have a choice about how you live right now. Yeah. Yes. And that's a big part of the part of my message is that choice that you do have right now. And what do you um, think is the biggest part of like what's mm-hmm. the biggest choice people have to make in a daily kind of way? What yeah. does that look like tangibly? Yeah. I, I just read a book. It actually isn't out yet. It's by Carly Fiorini. That's I think how you say her name. She uh-huh. ran for president. She was the CEO of HP. Uh, I think it's called Choose Your Path, but um, I can let you know so you can put it in the notes. But it's a 
there's this simple concept that she lays out at the very beginning of the book, which is choose your path, not your place. And so many of us are so destination focused. Like when I am promoted, uh-huh. when I have whatever our image of success is, when this season is not one with whatever, young kids or financial difficulties or whatever, we we imagine a destination and her premise is it's a path, not a place. So her thing is you need to figure out what problems you're meant to solve and start solving them. Yeah, And that is really freeing because that means, for instance, you can put your feet on the ground every day and say, what problems am I meant to solve today? And what is the gift that I bring to the world today? And you, you take your eye off that destination as if nothing matters until you get to that destination. Yeah. Even honestly, just reading that book in the last month has been so <laughs> helpful in my just kind of that daily, you know, what does it look like today? Yeah. Um, am I solving the right problems? What are the problems I'm meant to solve? Sometimes solving problems means I'm the person who brings encouragement and positivity to a room. So it can look a lot of different ways, but that's been a super helpful thought hmm. for me recently. Yeah. And then looking at it that way, you can start to think, like you said, about what gifts do I bring to the world? Yep. How can I work kind of in my own current? Right versus trying to be someone else and, you know, run in someone else's lane. It's like, okay, given these circumstances, how can I apply the gifts I have and, you know, what I'm passionate about and what I'm good at? And a lot of people don't know those things, right? So, I mean, that's often a follow-up question that I get is, well, how do I know Hmm. what my gifting even is? How do I know what I bring to the world? I think we all have a hard time saying that for ourselves. So, a great example of that is, first of all, that, that going back to be honest, be curious, being curious means taking, you know, it took me 15 years, and I'm sure there's many, much more to learn, but being curious about, wait, what is it that's easy for me that brings joy? What is it that other people seem to notice is helpful to them? Being curious means I'm not, I don't have to say that right now. If I'm 28 years old, I don't have to know that answer right now, Uh but I can be humbly curious and I could even ask people, hey, I noticed that you affirmed me for that thing. Can you just say, you know, do you mind? I'm just trying to figure out the problems I'm meant to solve. Can you say a little bit more about what you meant by that? Like uh-huh. really just leaning into positivity when it comes your way. I think we're all kind of self-deprecating, so we push that stuff away. We don't even know how to say thank you for a compliment. Instead of really saying, thanks for noticing that, I'm trying to figure out a little bit of what my best contribution is. Would you mind saying a little bit more about that? Um, I, especially with younger leaders, notice that very often the thing that is our gift to the world is also quite easy for us to do. And by easy, I don't mean that it's not challenging or that it's not a sacrifice. Right. But there's a there's a way that we feel in it that's easy. Yeah. I mean, I've seen people like do this with like spreadsheets. There's uh-huh. spreadsheet ninjas <laughs> yeah. and I'm watching them thinking, I want to like poke my eyes out. Like this yeah. is not fun for me at all. You know? <laughs> and but a person so often the ease of it makes them think that it's less worthy. Mm-hmm. Like it feels less important because it feels like there's some ease to it. Right. So I find myself with younger leaders pointing out things to them. Like I'll say, hey, you know, you manage that thing in a way that I think probably you thought came easy to you. I want you to know that does not come easy to a lot of people and yeah. you should you should pay attention to that. Just that's just a note for you moving forward. Sometimes we have to ask the people in our life to help us with that. But being curious about yourself over a season of time, not I mean Steve, I'm sure you you've been through this exact experience. I know from your own story where you had little adjustments along the way and those little adjustments opened doors that brought you into more and more of a sense of like, oh, I thought I was 
meant for this, but it looks like I'm meant for that. Right. So for anyone listening, even if you're in a reinvention, like you're in your midlife or you're in your second career in that reinvention time, being curious about what comes easy and also what people affirm and then asking why they affirm it can help you start to hone in on what those gifts might be. Oh, I want to I wanna highlight that and make sure no one misses that because that's huge. Yeah. And that was part of my journey too. And I notice it as well with others. The things that are kind of in, in your natural wheelhouse, yeah, they're just part of who you are. You don't even think they're anything special right. or different. You're like, well, everyone does this. Right. Or everyone, this is easy for everyone. It's, right. No, it's not. And right. so I would also second that and encourage anyone to, you know, if that's resonating with you, ask a friend or a family member or a coworker, like, what is the thing you notice? I'm like, wh- what have you found valuable about what I bring to the table? Right. Or, right. you know, just ask someone, they'll probably actually have fun telling you. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, a trusted person that's going to give you the truth. Um, The reason I even figured that out is because my easiest gift happens to be a public, is for public consumption. Uh (laughs) So, and it's a thing that most people like hate. So people will be like, oh my gosh, you're so, you know, whatever affirming thing they might say about my communication style on a stage. And in my back of my mind, I'm like, this is easy for me. Like, (laughs) I I don't know what to say because it's not hard for me. But, but because, one of my main gifts was done in public and I experienced people saying that it was affirm like affirming me and me thinking this is not really that actually uh-huh. a big of a deal. That's how I know that and then all of us have many gifts that are not lived out on that big of a stage. So we do need the people around us to notice that we're the spreadsheet ninja or to notice one of the things I call out in people all the time is people who have the gift of hospitality. Mm-hmm. Hospitality comes in many forms. I mean it's the ability to help people feel comfortable and safe and that they have a place to belong. You can do that in the workplace, you can do that in your home. It's actually a gift. Not everyone is good at it, but people with the gift of hospitality don't even understand that they have it. It's just (laughs) so natural to them. They just notice when it's missing somewhere else. (laughs) Yeah, people who have an eye for design or for beauty Uh or for aesthetics... That's a gift, yeah. and it seems it's it's maybe not as uh, valuable, quote mm-hmm. unquote, in our American culture. So I, I look for gifts that people have that are less common uh, or less uh, sort of have less accolades around them, yeah. So that they don't miss that that's actually a beautiful thing that they bring to the world. That's so cool. I, I can't <laughs> help but think I've noticed when you're speaking on stage. You do have you have a natural way about doing all that, yes. But specifically, um, transitions and kind of fit, taking an idea, a bullet point, and filling around it the the details, mm. the color, the connection points. Because I've noticed you're able to do that often without looking at notes. Yeah. And it got me thinking, because I'm like that with playing the drums. Okay. Like, I don't have to rehearse. I can just sit down and make it sound like I've rehearsed. Yeah. Because that's just a natural so, gifting, right? That's so cool that but you can do that. It's so cool, right? I didn't know that either. But then when I speak, oh man, I have to think for hours yeah. and plan and craft. Okay, how do the words connect? All right, how are, and it's not linear mm-hmm. and I have to think. So there's something about like when you're working in that gift, not only does it come easier to you, but it's actually more helpful to people mm-hmm. because you're connecting those dots in a way that someone like me can't, yeah, right? Yeah. And vice versa. Like, you're probably not sitting down on the drums and just... I would <laughs> love to play the drums, but you're right. Like, I'm not just riffing on the drums. Yeah, it's not going to... It would never come natural. <laughs> it's funny that you bring that up, too. Right when I started writing, I had a mentor say to me, you have to take your reader by the hand and walk them 
from that point to the next. And it stuck with me wow. and it changed my communication style. It, cha- it I think it was already mm-hmm. uh, natural to me to want to not lose people. And yeah. that comes um, out of being a fitness instructor, strangely oh, enough. Okay. Teaching group exercise for a long time. See? You look in the back of the room and you're like, you're not with me. Like, <laughs> So I was teaching physically. So yeah. I was watching people. Can they imitate physically or not? Huh. And it was often on me if they couldn't. It, and I had moved too fast. I had not. I had not worked with my transitions. I hadn't built a foundation, whatever the thing is. And um, early, early on, I thought, man, that's a gift that every leader needs to hear is take your listener, your follower, your reader, take them by the hand and walk them to your next thought because they're not in your head. They do, And you can see it in writing. I mean, you'll be like, I don't know how we got here. Right. Like, lot, the lot... In the last image, I was in the wave <laughs> surfing, and now all of a sudden, I'm like threading a needle. When, where, how right. did I get there? Right. Like, to you, it's all connected. Yeah, right. like, how could you? <laughs> right, but you're like, you left me with a visual picture of surfing a wave, and now we're threading a needle. How did we get here? You right. know, it's such a helpful thought to be to me uh, in that space of transitions. Actually, for honestly, I think that's good for leaders of all kinds. See, everybody, the journey prepares you for what's <laughs> that's next. Right, that's right. The Path, fitness instruction <laughs> prepares you. <laughs> Definitely. Okay, so. This is all fun and exciting and good, right? Like the idea of the things we're talking about is great. But the reality for a lot of listeners, and I know a lot of your audience, is full, busy life. Yeah. Right. And and the reality, like my wife and I were talking this weekend about um, this idea of Sabbath and margin and rest, um, because it was uh, something we were talking about at our church. and. And we're like, well, yeah, that's great. But what about our friend who has four little kids where like they don't even have that nap time <laughs> yeah. space? What does it mean? Is it does it mean just sitting there and not doing anything? Right. Or does it mean just helping your your soul breathe and mm. be filled back up? And we had this whole conversation about it. And it just it, it got me thinking about um, what you teach about it. You know, in the midst of real busy, hectic life, what is how does this actually work? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, a lot of that I think is it is very, very easy to live a reactive life as just a response to the demands of your environment, the demands of your reality, and never really take the time to say, what is it that I actually want out of my life? And it's honestly, it's scary for people to do that because once we name what we want, then we have to actually face failure. And failure is inevitable on some level. Uh And it just sometimes feels easier to go along. And then I can. I mean, this is this is the dirty this is the dirty truth. But then I can blame my life on external circumstances rather than on something that I was unable to do. Uh-huh. If we're not if if we can't get honest about those issues within ourselves, it's very very hard to get to a different place. Now, for many many people, living a reactive life is actually just fine. They're fine with it. Um, but even those people will feel that strain when they have lost. A sense of who they are. I think it is very difficult to experience great joy if you don't know who you are. Yeah, uh, you can experience fleeting joy, I think, through others, but um, th- through a moment or through others. Like maybe I experienced a lot of joy through my children. Well, children is one season of life. They grow up, they move out. God willing, they are independent. You're going to have to live with yourself. Like yeah. you, there's only one person that you were born with and that you die with, uh-huh. and it's you. There's not. There's nothing else. You know. So um, one of those things that I'll say to people in different seasons is, do you have the courage to write down what you would love 
to experience in your life. And there's different categories. I have an adventure category, a family category, a spiritual category, a career category. Uh-huh. Would you write those things down? Have you talked about this before with others? Yes. Okay. Yes. So you <laughs> yes. know. Yeah. So would you write those down? You know, because we can accomplish more uh, in a life than we think we can. And we accomplish less, as you know, in like a week than we think we can. Right. Right. So that's a weird dynamic. Um, in the rest component, I think one of the things that allows us to experience Sabbath is when we do have a plan for what we're trying to accomplish that's actually accurate and doable yeah. so that we feel like we come to the end. I think for, especially for entrepreneurs, especially for people, you know, my line of work is people work, which is never done. It never feels like there's success. I mean, it's like just a gift to write books because it means that <laughs> one product and one yes. thing gets done. Although I will say, date. in my second book, there was a huge typo on the eighth page <laughs> as soon as the first printing went. And I was like, no! Like, <laughs> Thankfully, that printing sold through, so we were able to fix it. But uh-huh. most of the time, a book feels done. A lot of work as entrepreneurs, as people, people who work with people, the work is never done. And if you live like your your worth comes from that work, then why would you ever rest? Because your work's never done. You can never find your your rest and your worth. Yeah, it's a really it's a really damaging cycle. But we know studies have shown uh, good rest, good sleep, good breaks. Actually, uh, they they encourage creativity. Your neurons do connections that they can't do any other time. Mm-hmm. So for those who are real go getters and really drivers understanding that you will actually achieve better work also through sleep or rest or Sabbath. Those of you who are spiritual, it's a command that is attached to a promise of good life. Uh And so there's a trusting component to that. It means the world's not going to stop rotating if I stop moving. And a lot of us need that reminder, and I think we need it every single week. Now, if you're that person with the little kids, man, it's it's a season, right? It's a season that doesn't feel that way. Except, and I'll say the hard things because I don't know you out there, you have way more time than you think. You just get off your phone and you will f- discover that you have a lot more time than you think. So true. And restoration can come in smaller chunks than we think. So I've raised three kids under five and had a career at the same time. I know it's exhausting. There are, There is chunks of time. Should you get off your media, get off your phone, you may find, well, actually, I do have 30 minutes at night to take a bath, read a book I want to read, uh, think, you know, or act, get extra sleep. So I think that time is, I actually think it's accessible. Uh, it doesn't feel accessible, yeah. but uh, maybe you just like don't need to do that one more thing that you thought you needed to do. Like yeah. you don't have to organize your closet. In fact, you don't have to organize your closet <laughs> the entire time your kids are young if you want. Like it'll be okay. Yeah. <laughs> you don't have to organize your email inbox you either. Don't, you anyone's don't. Anyone's weird like me. I, I like to organize my in- inbox too. Something but then you satisfying. ask yourself like, right. But if you're doing that when you should be resting, be curious, be honest, be curious with yourself and be like, Steve, why am I doing this right now? Be honest with yourself. If I'm honest with myself when I'm doing that, I would say I'm striving and I'm anxious and completing work makes me feel at least for the moment, like I am worth something. And I need to address that. Like if that's why I'm operating the way I am, and I know that it's to the detriment of my own soul, to my family, to my marriage, like I need to just address that. That's a small example. Yeah. But I have found myself answering emails at 10 o'clock at night. <laughs> like, why am I doing this? Yeah. You know, and knowing that you have these tendencies where, well, a little bit of mindless work makes me feel good about myself. I'm like, then the next question you have to ask yourself is, Nicole, do you want a little bit of mindless work to make you feel good about yourself? Like, yes. is that something that you want? Right. Or would you like to not think that anymore? That's how we begin to make those changes. How do you 
encourage people to start getting curious and honest with other people. Mm. Because I'm think, sitting here going, yes, and I know myself that sometimes it's easy as an achiever or then like for me in the mm. faith community, you feel like you need to appear a certain way because yeah. you don't want to like you don't want to look less than, but you also don't want to discourage other people. Right, right. You know, how do you get curious and honest with other people? Mm. You mean about yourself with other people or about other people? I think both, because I, okay. I find what's encouraging about your message is we're, we might be feeling or experiencing those things, mm-hmm. right? Like, um, why am I writing this email right now? Right. I'm anxious. I'm t- well, I don't want to say I'm anxious. Mm. And I... And yet, it's a disservice to myself to not just admit that it's actually going on, because it's already going on. It's already reality, but I'm, for whatever reason, afraid to just name it, because, you know, it's not supposed to, I'm not supposed to be anxious. Mm -hmm. But the very act, what I hear you saying is the very act of just naming it honestly is is half of the battle. Right. We have a lot more control over ourselves than I think we want to think we do. And so asking those questions of who's putting the urgency into my life, who's putting the stress into my life, sometimes some of it is I can decide that, yes, I absolutely want to answer these emails at 10 o'clock. There's a reason I want to do it. I'm going to do it with joy. It's it's a season that I'm in, and I'm going to... But it's when we feel really anxious and like our life is a series of reactions mm-hmm. that we want to ask, why am I doing what I'm doing? And when I when I know why I'm doing it, I can do it with intentionality. Uh-huh. Like I can choose to say, I'm going to do this. Dave and I went through a season where I worked uh, most Saturday mornings. That was a sacrifice. We decided it together. And so, therefore, I didn't feel resentful of him that he, you know, wanted me to work. He didn't feel resentful of me that he did the groceries and that he took care of the kids because we made a decision together. That was a boundary that we decided on that isn't like a lot of other people. Yeah. So, what I'm not saying is you have to live a very certain rigid way. It's got to be this. You got to work these hours. You got to do it's not that. Uh Just being honest with yourself about why you're doing what you're doing. I think the idea of togetherness, um, kind of depends, right, on the circumstances that you're in. That's a good question. I don't know that I have an answer for it. Um, But I do know that not sharing the real struggles with some transparency, both to people that are our peers, to people who work for us, and even to people that we work for, does not help them be better. That's all I know, is that there's no way that me covering up what's hard is going to make someone who thinks they want to follow my footsteps, <laughs> it's not going to make it easier for yeah. them. It's actually just going to make it harder for them Yeah, because they're going to think if they struggle with that thing, something must be wrong with them. So finding the way to do that, um, you know, I'm not talking about, you know, red light vulnerability, like, <laughs> you know, 10 out of 10 with your coworkers, but there might be some things, right? Yeah. Um, Steve, I find that you are an awesome question asker. And that's usually what I encourage people is mm. learn how to ask a really good question. If you're not yeah. ready to share, you could say to a coworker or peer, I feel like I'm struggling a lot in this area and asking a specific question of them. But I noticed that you seem to be in a more steady, like, what are some of the things that help you in this yeah. way? You're saying, I'm going to be a little vulnerable. I'm going to ask you to be vulnerable, but you don't have to be, you know, right. but yeah. you're opening the door to yeah. that kind of question. That's good. Yeah. Cause I'm always encouraging people, you know, you say you want 
deeper friendships. You say you want like people you can connect with yeah. about these things. So be the first to initiate. Right. Someone but don't has initiate to with it. all of your junk. Right. And Ask them about them. Exactly. Like, try to learn, be curious about them. Yeah. You can give them a little bit to go on so that they know. And you'll start to know who's open to that or not. Yes. Some people are just not going to be open to it. And I, I think your idea dovetails on going back to earlier you can be curious to them about their strengths and their yeah, gifts. Yeah. Because, I mean, that's a gift in and of itself. Right. It's no a gift to them and a gift to that. you. And yeah. everybody wants to talk about themselves at some level. Once you, once they, when they really believe that you actually want to learn from them, and honestly, you need to believe that you actually want to learn from them. <laughs> <laughs> you can't do it with any sort of devious yeah. like, motivation, like, this is how I'm going to close the sale. <laughs> you've, you know, got, like, you've got a flow chart really, of how the questions yeah, will yeah, lead. Yeah, like to try to get something out of them or whatever. <laughs> but if you actually just decide, wow, again, this goes back to our operating system. Yeah. Do I believe that I have something to learn from every human being, even if it's me learning some something or someone that I don't want to be? Uh-huh. But if I'm essentially curious, and I really believe that every human being has an incredible story, I actually think they do. Um, if you're willing to be present and to be a person who asks questions, people ask me sometimes about that. You can have questions pre planned. Like you can actually think in advance. You may not ask all of them, but if you're, if you think to yourself, I'm not really good at that. You can think through what is something that I would want to ask this person before I get there. I totally agree. And I'll try that sometimes, you know, maybe I'm, I'm the extreme version, but I'll try it sometimes. Like lately we were in DC and I think we're on the um, we were riding the scooters, you know, the bird yeah, scooters, I love those scooters and Lyft yes, and there's like a million them. now. Yeah. So we're riding them and this one woman comes up because she was with her, I think her granddaughter. And she was like, those are really cool. How did those work? What yeah. do we do? You know? Yeah. And it was, in, it was just kind of fun that she was like, I don't know how that works, but that looks cool. Should we do that? And so we had this conversation and I think I asked one of my like pre-questions yeah. I've thought of before, which is just like, yeah, what are you guys excited about doing here this week? Like yeah, clearly they were great. touring, you know, yeah. what are you excited about this week? Because everyone tends to lead conversations with a downer. It's yeah. easy to talk about like, oh, the weather sucks or yeah, this yeah, or yeah. that. And just introducing conversation yeah. with something more positive. It's kind of like, oh, I don't know. And then and then you can actually open the door to something more helpful to yeah. both people. <laughs> yeah, I love that. That's a great one. Something I've noticed about um, people who follow your your content and read your books is there's an effect where they are connecting with each other about similar struggles mm. in a way that, at least from my perception, they haven't really connected with people before. Mm. Like, yeah, it's just like that struggle is real. Yeah. And, and both of us are kind of just like admitting to that it's real. There's something I've noticed people who have read your books mm. will will connect on that level, yeah. almost like I haven't really been able to open up about this with someone. Yeah. Not like it's some huge, deep, dark thing, but right. just a real like daily kind of struggle. Yeah. I, I don't know. How do you react to hearing <laughs> feedback from yeah. listeners and readers? <laughs> well, I'll be honest with you, Steve. I'll tell you, <laughs> this is such a funny thing, but... Um, of course, when we do our work, we love to be affirmed, validated, that it's helpful. you know. And obviously, I love particularly, although my books are kind of about freedom, and it is about the person being free, but I specifically love to teach the Bible. I think the Bible is the like quintessential what is wrong with the world, <laughs> how do human beings act and react, and how can we actually live with joy? That's, that's another way to think of what the Bible is. And so I love to teach the Bible as my way of teeing up these topics. And so I'd love for people to say, like, you're such a great Bible teacher. That'd be so great to hear, you know? <laughs> but that's not what people say. What they say is, um, you're so real. And I've reflected on that a lot because it's been said a lot. First of all, I'm a little bit sad because it means that they must be in environments where they haven't experienced 
whatever real means to them mm-hmm. because it's the first thing they want to say. Um, but second of all, I appreciate it because I think it's this way of saying, thank you for being honest and putting words to things that I feel because it gives me the courage to do that. And um, it's not because I want everybody to have all of this like junk that they're dealing with in their life, but it's because I think that we are very condemning of ourselves internally. And I, I think when we allow ourselves to not have things figured out, to have places that we're stuck, to be dealing with it with gentleness, with curiosity, with humility, people then feel the freedom to say, oh, maybe I can treat myself that way as well. That's what I think happens on the social media outlets is that that realness is coming through. Like uh-huh. if this girl, you know, social media is fake, but if they, if this girl who looks like she has it together, because that's what social media makes us all look like we have it together. It's yeah. not on purpose. It right. just happens. If she looks like she has it all together and she's willing to admit she doesn't know how to raise her teenager or she struggles with insecurity or whatever, then it's probably okay for me to struggle with those things too. Yeah. And that's kind of, I think, how it works. It's not, that is not the end result though. I mean, let's make it clear. The end goal is not, now I know all my problems. The end goal is because I now understand my problems, I do have a pathway forward to a place that feels joyful and freeing. And actually I have the same problems, but they don't affect me the same way. That's really what we want to get to in life. Uh huh. Yeah. And part of why I bring that up is because that's what I've noticed. That kind of being able to be real about it with somebody is almost this way that they're able to start experiencing life more fully. Yes. Because instead of acting like that, that thing isn't there, it's just being real about it and living through it. And then being able to enter new, more positive spaces. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And it seems like we kind of have to go through those places to get to those new, more positive places. Maybe it gives us the courage. Like I can enter into one of those things on my list of life goals. I can enter into it and be like, if I fail at this thing, it is not a failure of my actual identity. You know, Uh if we're so wrapped up in what all those struggles mean about us, when we can be like, oh, I struggle and it doesn't mean that I'm not valuable or worthy or loved, it's easier to be like, so I can try this thing. And if it doesn't work out, it's not going to mean that I'm not valuable, worthy, or loved. Or I can have this really hard season or my marriage can, you know, all the things that happen to people that feel like death, Mm. I can have deaths of all kinds. I can lose a job that I love. I can struggle with something that people never want to struggle with. And it doesn't mean that it's the end for me. And I think that's really the message that I want people to hear. If people aren't willing to say, I've been there and I've been through it, then when you're you're the person who's there, you think this is the end. I'm invalidated as yeah. like a person who can live a life. And, yeah. uh, we're just, I don't know, human beings are so much more than that, like unbelievably resilient, strong, capable, flexible than I think people give themselves credit for. But if no one's telling those stories, uh-huh. why would I ever think that I could get through that thing? So. Yes. Well, I really appreciate how you talk about both the struggle and the achievements and wins Mm -hmm. together. yeah, And yeah, someone can have at the same time things in life that are hard Mm. and yet be living into their full, you know, purpose and having a sense of fulfillment and joy. And wonder. And they they can happen at the same time in and out. Yep. That's, that's encouraging. There's a, there's a verse in scripture, it's Philippians 3.16 and it says, only let us live up to what we've already attained. And to me, that's a beautiful paradox. It's saying, you have things already. Like you don't have to earn those things. They, uh-huh. They're they're yours already. And particularly in that verse, we're talking about what we can experience when we know Jesus Christ. But no matter where you are, the idea that you have already attained some things now, just live up, live up into them. You know, yes. and yeah. that's a very confident idea. 
oh, there are things that I have that I, be, I have not probably fully maximized yet. I'm going to have some work to do to live up to them, but it's worth doing. Yeah. And I'm not trying to live into something that I have not yet attained. I can actually just live into what I have already attained. Yes. And so, of course, knowing our gifting is part of knowing what we have already attained. Living up to it is the work part, right? That's the diligence, the perseverance, mm. the email inbox, the goals, all the stuff that we do to get ourselves into that place. Ah, okay. So if someone's listening, yeah. inspired, this is resonating, <laughs> what's like a practical, okay, I turn off the podcast and yep. today or tomorrow, this is a step, a baby step I can take mm-hmm. to live up to what I've already attained yeah. <laughs> to yeah. be my full self. Yeah. Oh my gosh. There's so many. I, you know, <laughs> it's hard to start somewhere, but I, I'll share this one just because uh, it's, it's still in that vein of be curious. Mm-hmm. Look for places where you think that your emotional reaction outstrips the situation you're in. To know that, you have to be very curious about yourself. Mm-hmm. A, a perfect example is traffic. Like, If you're in traffic and you find yourself so torqued up, like you're yelling out of your car, just be curious about yourself and be like, why am I doing this right now? Uh-huh. Because you're having more emotion either direction. It can be more sad, more frustrated, more angry. Most of us um, only have three big categories that we understand, sad, mad, and bad. This is where all counselors start. We're okay. like, okay, uh-huh. are we in the sad category? Are we in the mad category? Are we in the I feel bad ah, category? Okay. Bad Free is usually, everybody. Tune you in. know, yeah, bad <laughs> is usually uh, loss or, uh-huh. you know, insecurity or whatever. So, Wherever you have those kind of emotions, I gave you three huge categories that you know, if you're honest with yourself, are, are beyond the exact moment you're in. Mm-hmm. Be curious about that. Have you allowed your boundaries to be violated again and again in a relationship? And this is the time that you just, you cannot handle what the person just said to you. Well, that was on, I mean, it's been on you that you've allowed that. Be curious about why did I do this in the first place? And how do I actually really feel right now? And do I need to have a clearing conversation with this person? So oftentimes our emotions are not bad. Um, and they can particularly be great, like signposts that we need to be curious about something. Don't do it with judgment condemnation, just ask like, huh, why did I feel that way right then? And if you start that, you're just raising your inner awareness of some things that might be helpful to you. That's so cool. (laughs) As you're talking, I'm realizing I did this the other day because I was getting frustrated that I got interrupted before I finished a task. It was like nothing meaningful at all. It was just a little task. I think I was like typing something out on the computer. And, you know, my three-year-old daughter, mm-hmm. like, because she's so evil, interrupted me. Right, of course. How, could you? <laughs> How dare? Yeah. How and dare you? I was getting frustrated, and I had one of those moments. Now I can, like, put words to what, I was, what was happening. I kind of separated the frustration from myself and said, why did that frustrate me so much? Yeah. I don't do this all the time. I'm not right. this, like, upstanding. But I was, and I just thought about it, and I realized, oh, because I actually really value completing things. Uh-huh. And and so now I've actually started to think about how do I structure my time in my week to make sure I have long enough chunks of time to complete the task at hand. Because yep. doing partial, which to some people is fine, they can do yep. little bits yep. along the way. I have to like do one thing and fully get it done. Yep. And that got violated, quote unquote, and it made me frustrated. Yep. And now yep. I was like, oh, it's such a great learning oh, versus man, just so getting alike. mad. That's just, yeah, that is definitely a certain type of person. <laughs> and it's it's funny if you're like a highly relational person because then people don't know what to do with it when you're like, don't interrupt me, you know? Yeah. But yeah, and of course there's certain tasks and I'll find that I'll chunk my time 
into interruptible tasks so that I'm in the right place to be interrupted. And I, there's things I will just, I just will not do if I know I'm going to be interrupted because it is, I do, I'm, I get so frustrated and it's not the person's fault. Right. Yeah. And, uh, editing, writing, like that kind of stuff Yeah. is not a space that I can use my office for. And I'm thinking, okay, what are tasks that I can be interrupted doing? So that's a great, that's a great example. It's just super practical Yeah. and you're not judging yourself. You're not right. like, Oh my gosh, I can't believe I did that to my daughter or the other way around. <laughs> uh-huh. Oh my gosh, I can't believe I'm a person who like doesn't finish their work. You know, you just are curious yeah. and you ask, what can I learn from this? And that's how we begin to start that journey. So good. There's a time management book right there. So we need to co-author that one. <laughs> we could. Oh, absolutely. It will be for all the, everyone who's an Enneagram freak out there. It'll be particularly for the type threes. Yeah. They're the ones too. Uh, okay. Where can type threes or anyone find you on social media? Or... Yeah. It's easy to find me because my name's unusual. So Nicole Eunice starts with a U and um, I'm frequently Facebook, Instagram. I've got a website where speaking requests and things can come from there and you can find access to my books there as well. So um, I would highly recommend Nicole's Instagram stories. (laughs) She does some really funny ones. It's almost like, I don't know what the category would even be. It's like like, um, observational humor. Thank you. But um, like about some very minute, nuanced (laughs) thing that we all know how it is. Yeah. I think you had one about um, people at the pool and like you could read their whole life based on what they were wearing (laughs) to the the pool. (laughs) I just, I think that, and that's a discipline. I actually, that's a discipline for me Uh because I find that when I see the world as an essentially funny place, I enter into my world with more wonder and more joy. I mean, it really does just crack me up. I mean, there's just so much funny available to us and (laughs) in just, and it's not in, it's not in a, a way to condemn anyone or like make fun of anyone. It's just like the wacky world we live in. It's funny to me. So yeah. That's good. I've heard that, you know, stand-up comics are some of the most, some of the best psychologists because mm-hmm. they're actually just observing the little nuanced things that we all just breeze by every yeah. day. Yeah. It's like Jerry Seinfeld, is, all his jokes are about like cups of nothing. coffee and yes. nothing. And you're like, it's hilarious. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Okay. So everyone um, can follow you in those places and everyone go get The Struggle is Real oh, or any you. of Nicole's books. They're, they're really good. No matter who you are, I think they apply. <laughs> Do you want more great content like this, but 24-7? Check out our membership, The Greenhouse Method. It's an online course with built-in community and coaching made just for you to figure out what's next in your life, leadership, career, or business. Visit greenhouseculture.co, that's .co, or the link in the show notes to learn more.